Hey, good to see you here. You are currently listening to Inspire Church Metro Manila. We are one church in multiple locations, and we exist to inspire people to fulfill their God-given potential. We are so glad that you're tuning in right now. Welcome home. Learn more about us by visiting inspiremetro.live. Lean in and enjoy. Hello, Inspire Church Metro. Welcome to our Sunday's Best online experience. Hey, we miss you guys so much. We miss the physical church, but there is always something amazing about online churches like this. Amen. 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 Hey, if this is your first time watching us or you are new to Inspire Church Metro, my name is Mars. I am part of the Dream Team and I got a privilege to be the youth director also here at Inspire Church Metro. Man, we are so glad that you guys are here today. We are so thankful for all those people who are watching with us from around the world. Okay, so would you do me a favor guys? Type in the comment section your name and let us know your location where you are watching from. Because I know for sure that my family all the way from Surigao in Mindanao are watching with us today. So hi mom, hi, hi, hi dad. And uh, you know what, if you are somewhere in Mindanao, let us know. If you are somewhere in Visayas or you are watching from Cebu, let us know. If you are watching in Luzon, you are from NCR, let us know. If you are watching from different countries, let us know because we are so excited to get connected with you. Awesome, awesome. Hey, one of the things that I love about Inspire is that we are one church in in multiple locations we are one church in multiple locations and so right now we have a special treat for you guys because our senior pastor all the way from the beautiful island of Hawaii pastor Mike Kai is going to share the word of God today as we start our new series called why you tripping i love the title why you tripping why you tripping why you tripping i love the title so hey it is going to be amazing so make sure you guys are ready with your bible you are ready with your with your journal make sure your pen has an ink you know turn up the volume of your computer or your tv and let's get ready because this is going to be an amazing Word of God. I hope you will be inspired today. I'll see you guys later. Hey, Inspire Global family. Welcome, church, to Inspire. I'm so glad that you guys are all here today. Hope you're having a great weekend. Um, lately, since we just got out of our recent series called The Culture Values of Inspire or Culture Kings, I started thinking about the things that, yeah, the great things that make up our culture, but I also started thinking about the things that actually pull apart our culture, the thing that actually goes against the culture of what church should be like. And I started to think about these things, about the things that actually stumble believers, believers who are being stumbled in their faith, who get stuck on things that actually can be detrimental to their walk with God. Now, let me say something. Not everything is detrimental to your walk with God. The Apostle Paul said not all things are permissible. Some things are. Um, but I also want us to realize that in this journey that we have, in this faith following Christ, during a season like this, 
We've got to be careful of the things that are causing people to stumble. So this message series is called, Why are You Tripping? Why are you tripping? You ever find yourself tripping out on things or stumbling over the same things over and over and over again? Or you know somebody, I have a friend. <laughs> Everybody's got a friend that does these things. I might be that friend sometimes. And you know what? I believe that during this season, Why are You Tripping? is going to help us identify the things that trip us up so that we no longer stumble in Jesus' name. So if you believe that, give me some shakas in the chats. Good to have everybody here today. So I want you to open your Bibles with me, and I want you to go to 2 Kings chapter 5. And as you're going to 2 Kings chapter 5, all the way in the Old Testament, I want to bring it to the writer of Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, in the New King James Version, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now, I talked about this on Deep Dive Wednesday. If you missed it, we talked about the crowd, how we differentiate ourselves and distance ourselves, and we run further, and we go up higher than the crowd. We talked about who's in your corner is very, very important. And of course, like a typical pastor, I've got another C for you. So we've got your crowd. We've got your corner who's helping patch you back up. Whose corner are you in? What circle are you in? And then the cloud. The cloud is the cloud of witnesses, the people of faith who've gone before us and fought the good fight and finished the race. There, they are the cloud of witnesses, not the cloud, the Apple iCloud, but the cloud of witnesses. So it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. In other words, it also says in the New Living Translation, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Now, right now, if we could say the thing, the sins that are easily tripping up people today is definitely going to be overconsumption of alcohol, definitely going to be sex and pornography. That's really big right now. I mean, huge. It's massive. The industry has gone skyrocketing since COVID hit. Because why? Because people are in homes more. They're getting bored, discouraged, and so they're self-medicating. But I want to talk about something that's a little bit more subtle. I want to talk about something that is more sinister and subtle in many ways. And that is the sin that so easily trips us up and entangles us. 2 Kings chapter 5. I love 1 Kings, 2 Kings. If you know me by now, global family, I love Elijah. I love Elisha. I love David. love Solomon. love that whole era. This was like the Iron Age. And during this time, there's a great prophet. His name was Elisha. Elisha was the understudy to the great Elijah. Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 10, in that time frame, begins to call uh, call down fire from heaven. He stopped the heavens from raining. Uh, God sent a drought because King Ahab and Jezebel, by the way, Jezebel is not a good name. She's a very, very wicked woman, okay? Uh, Jezebel had an enabling husband named Ahab. And Jezebel was so wicked, and so was her husband, that God wanted to pronounce judgment on his own land, so he used the prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah had an understudy whose name was Elisha. Close names, right? One's a S-H, one's a J. So Elisha is now the understudy, and he gets a double portion of everything that Elijah already has. So whatever Elijah has in gifts, in, in grace, in carrying weight, Elisha does double because of what was passed on to him. Now, the Bible tells us that the king of Aram, which is modern-day or present-day Syria, 
had a general named Naaman, or no matter where you come from, you might say Naaman. Naaman or Naaman. Maybe when you were growing up, like Naaman, I don't, I don't, I don't smoke that no more, Naaman. Or whatever it is, man, whatever, whatever it is, his name is Naaman. And Naaman is a very, very decorated, well-respected and honored general in the entire Syrian army. So now when we look at this, the Bible tells us that the king of Aram had great admiration for Naaman, the commander of his army, because through him, the Lord had given Aram great victories. But though Naaman was a mighty warrior, he suffered from leprosy. Now we all know that, if, especially if you grew up in Hawaii, what leprosy does to a colony, what it does to a people. As a matter of fact, it's, a, it's one of the first viruses that ever actually hit Hawaii. Of course, the flu and cold hit Hawaii. Hawaiians didn't have the flus and the colds because that virus didn't exist here. But later, a pandemic happened in Hawaii back in the early 1800s, and it was called leprosy, or to the mid-1800s. And in leprosy, uh, it was the eating away of the flesh. And the thing that they say about leprosy is that you don't necessarily die because you bleed to death. You die from leprosy because you have no more feeling anymore and you can't feel anymore, and your limbs are being slowly eaten away. That's why Father Damien wanted to go to minister to the people on Kalaupapa Peninsula, because the people or who had leprosy were already taken out of their homes, and they were placed in quarantine on the beautiful island of Molokai. But all of these people had Hodgkin's disease, also known as leprosy, and it was so sad during those days. So now, if you had leprosy, that was like a death sentence. So back in that day, like way BC before Jesus, during that time, if you had that, it was over. So Naaman, General Naaman has leprosy. And General Naaman now is being sent down to Israel, the enemy of Syria, in order to find the man of God, Elisha, in order to heal him. Um, mistakenly, he goes to the king. He thinks the king is the man of God. He's not the man of God. Uh, the king is not necessarily godly. He calls on the man of God whenever he needs help, whenever he needs prophetic words, whenever he needs prayer. So now Naaman is looking, he's on a wild goose chase. I go to the king, I can't find the man of God to heal me. Now I gotta go here. And by the way, in, in, in addition to that, the Bible tells us that he had um, a letter from the king of, of, of Syria, or Aram, and he took 700 pounds of silver with him, 150 pounds of gold, and 10 sets of clothing, and the letter to the king, and the letter said, with this letter, I present my servant Naaman, and I want you to heal him of his leprosy. So he came with gold, with silver, and 10 sets of clothing. I don't know what they was, but it was probably very, very amazing clothes, and he wanted to give it as a gift so that he could get healed. Oftentimes in that culture is if you gave a gift, then you got healed. If you brought an offering, then you would get healed. Now, he can't find the man of God, but eventually he will. And the Bible says that in verse 9, So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of, his, of Elisha's house. So he goes with his horses and his chariots and all of the gold and everything that he has, his military entourage to protect him as well as the gold and silver and the gifts that he is bringing. And they go to Elisha's home. They find Elisha. But Elisha sent out a messenger to him. Everybody say messenger, okay? He sends out a messenger to him with his message. Go and wash yourselves seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. In other words, take two of these and call me in the morning, right? 
take two aspirin and call me in the morning. Let me know if you feel better. Well, the Bible says, verse 11, but Naaman became angry and he stalked away. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He said, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy, call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. Aren't the rivers in Damascus, the Abana and the Parfar better than any of the rivers of Israel? So now he's got, you know, he's got an attitude about Israel's rivers. Okay, he might be right that the Abana River and the Farpar might have been far better, far par, far better, might have been better. Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned away and went in a rage. In a rage. Wait, there's more. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you certainly should obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Aren't you thankful for the calming voices in your corner? Right? Aren't you thankful for those people who can actually speak sense into you when you're in a rage or when you're upset? I'm thankful for those people in my life. I don't get in a rage, but I get upset. And I'm thankful for people that, and when the time is right, can talk me off the ledge. You know what I'm talking about? Those people, praise God for those people who are those calming voices in your life. General Naaman had one of them. And thank God that he had somebody in his circle that actually had the courage to speak up and say what needed to be said. Verse 14, so Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed. He was smoother than a baby's bottom, everybody. By the time he got out of that water, and I can see the whole pomp and circumstance, I can see him taking the longer journey to get to the Jordan River from where he was, probably a half a day's journey to get there, hot in the hot sun, under his uniform and regalia and all of his insignias and everything that he's earned and all of his ribbons and slowly taking off everything and his, 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 his servants had to probably help undress him because of the leprosy, wanted to make sure that they didn't touch the leprosy as well, put his things in a safe place and there is Naaman, buck naked, walking with sores all over his body to go into what he considered a very dirty river, the Jordan, because the Jordan was cleaner at the source and muddier the further you got south before it hit the Dead Sea. And he's going into the Jordan River to dip himself seven times. Now, I don't know when God decided to heal him. I don't know if God said, I'm gonna heal you on the first because you got faith. I'm gonna heal you on the third because you were obedient. I'm gonna make you wait till the seventh because you gave my man of God a hard time. I don't know what he did, but on the seventh when he came up, he was cleaner and he was smoother than baby skin. Now, we'll pause there for a moment. Praise the Lord that he got healed. But we find something in this man that I want to hit that's tripping us all up right now. And the first one is entitlement. General Naaman felt entitled when he went down there because of the way that he carried himself and the way that he flew into a rage and he got upset. He had expectations that the man of God, Elisha, was going to come to the door, but the man of God, Elisha, said, just tell him, just go drop, dip seven times. So what you're seeing here is a man, because of his position, because of his stature in his country, because of the admiration and love and the victories that he has, I'm going to tell you, sometimes those things can go to your head. And when they go to your head, entitlement begins to creep in. Entitlement happens when we lose our humility. Last week, we talked about humility. And one of the things that I'm beginning to see a lot 
It was already happening, but more than ever before is entitlement. Entitlement looks for what you deserve instead of how you can serve. Looks for what you deserve versus how you can serve. You can imagine his mentality during that time. He says, if, if, if you, do you know who I, am, who, who I am? Do you know, and you're making me wait, and I go to the king's palace, and you know how long it takes to get to the king's security system? Do you know how long it takes to TSA? I had to go to TSA, they had to, they had to touch me, they had to, they had to uh, frock me, you know what I'm talking about? They had to frisk me, they had to make sure that I didn't have an, a secret weapon in my underwear or in my thigh, and then I have to go through all of that, now I gotta go see the king and go through all of that celebration ceremony, and now he's scared, he thinks I wanna pick a fight, my king wants to pick a fight? Now you tell me to go find the man of God, now I'm no GPS system, but I've got to go find him, and I find him at his house, and I'm waiting for him, and he doesn't even come out to see me? He sends me his butler? Are you kidding me? Do you know who I am? Entitlement. Entitlement. Entitlement actually, actually expects you to do what you already preconceived in your mind the way that you were already be treated. He said, oh, I thought surely he would call on the name of the Lord his God. He would wave his hand over me and I would be healed. Do not allow your previous experiences build up your future expectations. I mean, you're setting yourself up for failure. And whenever I do that, if I ever think like, well, I was treated this way before. I'm going to be treated like this again. Um, you're, in for a tr you're in for trouble. I'm going to tell you on one of my weaknesses, okay? I've worked in hotels and in restaurants for a long time that I know what good customer service is. And when I know when I'm not getting good customer service. And I can tell when someone's hustling and they're just trying to keep up, I get that. And I can tell when the kitchen is slow and they're making their waiter and waitress look bad. I've been in those situations, so I understand. So I have been in situations where I thought, man, this is terrible service, man. That's not even, why would we even tip you? But you have to. And right now, it's like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a valet and waiter at heart, everybody. I just want to let you know, I'm a 20% automatic tipper. But I'm not looking to tip less. I want to tip you min minimum 20%. But man, you know, nowadays, they're already putting the tip on it. Nowadays, they're taking the liberties of saying, uh, even if a party of two, they're already giving you the 22 They want 22%. I get it. I get it. I'm a waiter and valet at heart. I, I ran for dollars. That's what I did. And they give me $2, $5 per car. I was grateful. I would take it. But $1 per car? I remember standing, bad, bad pastor. But before I was a pastor, I remember somebody gave me $2 to park their car. $2. $1. $1. I remember looking at the $1 and I paused for effect on purpose. Like, well, thank you, sir. I lost my gratefulness and I started to act entitled. Because at the end of the day, wasn't that customer service? Wasn't I providing a customer service? I was. But I was looking for what I was getting out of serving. Take it to the next level. Oftentimes, we're looking for what we deserve rather than just looking to serve. Entitlement begins to creep up. Entitlement also causes us to feel that enough is never enough. So the Bible tells us in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 15, it says, Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They didn't have to go back. This is a picture of the leper going back to give thanks. Remember Jesus healed 10 lepers and they, he healed them all? 
and nine went away, and one came back, only one came back to thank him. Naaman is now coming back to thank Elisha. It says, then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God, and they stood before him, and Naaman said, now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept a gift from your servant. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept any gifts. And though Naaman urged him to take the gift, Elisha refused. Now, Elisha, we don't know why he refused. He just thought, well, this is a gift of God. I'm giving it to you. I didn't heal you. God healed you. You can give the gift to God. He didn't take it. But for some reason, he didn't take it. It would have been okay for him to take it, but he didn't take it. So then it says this, verse 17. Then Naaman said, well, all right, but please allow me to load two of my mules with earth or dirt. Let me get some topsoil. Let me get some mulch. Let me get some, um, um, what do you call that? Um, compost. I want to take it back. Because I just want to plant this garden, you know, and lately I've been getting into gardening. No, he didn't do that. He said, all right, please allow me to take two of my mules from earth of this place, and I will take it back home with me. From now on, I will never again offer burnt offerings or sacrifices to any other God except the Lord. However, may the Lord pardon me in this one thing. When my master goes into the temple of the God Rimon to worship there, and he leans on my arm, may the Lord pardon me when I bow to. I love his innocent heart. The man who was so difficult to deal with, is now so pleasant to work with. Because now he's saying, can I get some dirt? Because they believed that the gods were in the land. Not lived in the land, but it was part of the God. God was part of the land. I get that. So he wanted to take two donkeys full of dirt so he could throw it in his yard to represent God. I brought him because they believed the gods were territorial. They believed that the gods would, would go only up to a certain part and stop. Ah, I can't go into Syria or Lebanon. I'm stuck here in Israel. But he didn't realize that God would be like, this, this is my land too. I own this. I created this. But they brought the earth with them because they thought the gods were territorial. So he, I love his heart. He says, when he bows down to worship, and I bow down too, may the Lord pardon me, because I know there's only one God in Israel. How amazing how this man with leprosy over his body, but really leprous on his heart, now gets changed by an encounter with God because of his obedience to the Lord, finally trusting in a servant who had a calming voice, and God seemed to wipe out entitlement over his life. My friends, if there's anything that's going to trip us up, number one, it's entitlement that I deserve. It's simple. Even I'm susceptible to it. We're all susceptible to it. You know who we are? The human race. And all humans are susceptible to this, vulnerable to this. But only God is the antidote to our entitlement. The second thing we're going to find is what we find in this young servant, Gehazi. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, because Elisha told him to go in peace, and Naaman started to go home again. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said to himself, my master should, he said this to himself, Think about this for a moment. He's talking to himself. He said, my master should have never let this Aramean get away with accepting any of his gifts. As surely as the Lord lives, I will chase after him and get something from him. So Gehazi set off after him. Entitlement says, I'm going to get something for myself. As a matter of fact, entitlement focuses on what you don't have rather than what you do have and says enough is never enough. Instead of being thankful for what we do have, it says, I'll never have enough. And it is an orphan mentality. 
It is a mentality or a spirit that says, I'll never get taken care of the way that I think I should get taken care of. It is grabbing what is not yours because you're afraid that there will never be enough. It is like the child who goes to bed at night but hides food under their table, under their bed, because they never think that there'll be food the next day. It's like someone who wants what somebody else has, but instead of waiting patiently and serving and letting the Lord bless, says, I'm gonna grab some for me right now. Entitlement is where embezzlement begins. Entitlement is where all kinds of evil and all kinds of bad things begin to happen in your life when you start feeling entitled. I'm gonna give you the antidote to entitlement after this. He was absolutely entitled, but look, Elisha, the man of God, got eyes behind his head and he can see anything. Because then it says this, when Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, he climbed down from his chariot and went to meet him. He said, is everything all right? Is everything okay? Yes, Gehazi said, and now he's gonna lie. He says, yes, but my master has sent me to tell you that two young prophets um, from the hill country of Ephraim, they've just arrived, and he would like 75 pounds of silver and two sets of clothing to give to them. By all means, take twice as much silver, Naaman said. And he gave him two sets of clothing, tied up the money in two bags, and sent two of his servants to carry the gifts for Gehazi. But when they arrived at the citadel, Gehazi took the gifts from the servants, give that to me, give it to me, give it to me, and sent the men back. And then he went inside and hid the gifts inside his house. And then when he went to his master, Elisha asked him, where have you been, Gehazi? Can you imagine when he's like all sweating? carried all that silver, all that clothes, all hot. And all of a sudden, he's got to calm himself down. Take some deep breaths, right? Dab himself from all the perspiration because he ran after him. Comes back and has to cool hand Luke it like nothing happened. Gehazi, where have you been? Oh, nowhere. Gehazi, where have you been? I haven't been anywhere, he replied. But Elisha asked him, don't you realize that I was there in spirit when Naaman stepped down from his chariot to meet you? Woo! <laughs> Don't you know I saw you? I see you. I see you. I saw you. I saw you. I wasn't even there, but I saw you. I saw you. The Lord gave me a vision. He showed me something about you. And then he says this. Is this the time to receive money and clothing, olive groves and vineyards, sheep and cattle, male and female servants? In other words, is this the time? Is this, were you gonna buy servants, sheep, goat, cattle, a vineyard for yourself? Were you gonna do that with all of this money? Is now the time? This is not the time. Because you have done this, you and your descendants will suffer from Naaman's leprosy forever. When Gehazi left the room, he was covered with leprosy and his skin was as white as snow. What was once on the man, Naaman, is now on Gehazi. The leprosy that was on this man was healed, so was the leprosy of his heart. But what was undetected prior to this was the leprosy on Gehazi's heart that manifested itself after he showed his true colors of entitlement. Entitlement will hurt you. When there is entitlement, it gives birth to offense. Entitlement, something grows on you when it is unchecked. So when we look at the entitlement that happened 
in Naaman's life. And we looked at the entitlement and the offense, number two, that was on his life. We're seeing the two tale, the tale of two different people, one warrior and one servant of God. Now stay with me here, because now the offense. The offense that he had, it says, but Naaman became angry and Naaman walked away. So Naaman was offended and entitled all in one. I think right now what's really hurting and tripping a lot of people up is a spirit of offense. I'm offended. Oh, I can't believe he said that. Oh, I can't believe she posted that. Oh, can't believe he's, man, let me tell you right now. People are offensive and a lot of people are getting offended. And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, they shouldn't have said that. They shouldn't have posted that. No, they shouldn't have. But do not take the bait of offense. Because even though we get it, and I get it, but your spirit is your responsibility. My spirit is my responsibility. Let me tell you right now, I had three opportunities in one week to be highly offended. Bad. Text messages, two out of the blue text messages, and one rumor they got to me. And let me tell you, I could have been offended. But can I be honest? I was. For about 30 minutes. For about 30 minutes. Wrestled with it the rest of the day. No longer offended, but wrestling with it. Wrestling with it. A rumor. That somebody said something about me and my family. <laughs> get used to it, right? New levels, new devils. Got to get thicker skin. I get that. My spirit is my responsibility. Faithful are the wounds of a friend as well. This wasn't a friend. The other one was. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. Offense. But I want to say something. You're not offended if you are lovingly confronting somebody, Holy Ghost it before you post it. I'm not saying, but, but you know what I'm talking about? It's not, you're not offended if you are confronting a brother or sister in love because you love them and care for them and you are in their circle. That's not because you're offended. That's because of something totally different. And one of the biggest things that happen when we are offended is we are actually hurting ourselves and closing us off to the blessing of God. If you remember in the Gospels that Jesus could do no more miracles in his own hometown because the people were offended by him. They're like, who's this? All of a sudden, he's the Messiah? Who's this? I understand, but they were offended. And in fact, they were amazed. Jesus was amazed at their unbelief because of their offense. And it's the same Greek word that we studied last week that Jesus was amazed that the centurion had such great faith. So check this out. When you are offended and you take the bait of Satan, written by my friend and mentor, Dr. I mean, not doctor, I'm gonna call him Dr. John Bevere, the bait of Satan is the bait of offense. And right now, too many believers are walking around offended or offending people. That's not a personality thing because some of you might be a bull in a china shop. And that's just the way you are. You're rough around the edges and we need some time for the Lord to continue to do that work in our lives. But some people just drop offenses. They pop in, pop out. They blow in, blow up, blow out. They drop it and they leave it 
and they leave it for you to deal with. And you know what we're doing? We're leaving too many stumbling blocks in front of people, and that's why people tripping. You're tripping, they tripping, because we're all tripping, because why? We're stumbling because of the stumbling blocks placed in front of other people by people who mean well and who know better. So what is the most important thing that you and I can do is if we've left any stumbling block in front of someone, find that stumbling block, pick it up so people stop tripping over what we're doing. Somebody say amen. Give me some shakas. Give me some high fives. Give me some raise the roofs. Amen. Somebody drop a bomb right now. Somebody let me see a stick of dynamite. Somebody let me see fire. Give me a couple of fuegos, somebody. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. So let me tell you three things on how to avoid being tripped up. Number one, write this down. Number one, surround yourself with trust men and not yes men. I like that. I want to thank Pastor Nolan Galito for helping me out with that from Manila. You got to surround yourself with trust men <clears throat> and not yes men. Because a yes man or a yes girl will never tell you what you really need to hear. Praise God for the circle that you are growing up with, the circle that you are a part of, that has the guts to be able to share with you in love the things that we need to hear. Thank God for people who've worked on this with such finesse, not coming in like a wrecking ball, but coming in with finesse to help us to receive what they want us to receive. Praise God for that. Surround yourself with trust men, not yes men. Gehazi, his officers tried to reason with him, calm him down, called him father in the New King James ver Version. Sir, right here. They knew how to approach him and they knew how to talk to him. Sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he says simply, go and wash and be cured. Thank God for people who are trust men and not yes men. Surround yourselves with the right people. Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Thank God for the wounds of a friend. Because you know why? You can get over a wound from a friend. But too many times we allow the wounds of a friend to fester. Pride comes in. Self-preservation takes over. And then we begin to hunker down and not give in. And now all of a sudden there's a wedge in relationships and marriages and in friendships that should not be there because the message was delivered in love. But I can also tell you that if you sent a message and it was not in love, you are a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal if you saw me last week. And what you can do is go fix that and say, I delivered it wrong. I was wrong in my estimation. I should have said it differently. And if I could say it all over again, this is how I would say it. Would you please forgive me? One of the biggest things to disarm an offended person is, will you? Please forgive me. You know why? Because Proverbs says an offended brother is more difficult to conquer than a, than, a, than a city. How difficult is that? Someone who's been offended is harder to reach, is harder to break through because of offense. Let's make sure that we remove the stumbling block so people stop tripping over themselves. Here's number two. Number two, be ready to obey God even when it's inconvenient. Be ready to obey God even when it's inconvenient. I love it how the yes men were trust men who believed God 
and said what they needed to say, even when it was not convenient. Not convenient. You know, oftentimes we have, we don't know the whole context. We have preconceived notions of someone else's motives or their hearts, and we're making a huge mistake. That's why sometimes the best thing is don't even comment. That's why the best thing is rarely even be on the gram or on whatever you're on right now. I'm trying to go on a whole lot less. There's a part of me that wants to keep up with my friends and see how they're doing, and this is one of the best ways to do it. And there's a part of me that knows that I've got to market and push my book, because it's the greatest book, everybody, called The Pound for Pound Principle, 10-year anniversary leadership edition. We distilled it for the generation, so we, you know, it's a great book. And that's the only reasons why I'm really up there. But I can tell you this, what I see, what I get sucked into, is not good. It can get you offended. But if you trust God and obey God when it's inconvenient, you might be saving somebody from leprosy on their body, or really on their heart, and killing them. It's a slow death. Here's number three, and my last one, is let us be humble to reveal what needs to be healed. Be humble to reveal what needs to be healed. Is there anything in your life that you need healing from? It says that his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child, and he was healed, smooth as a baby's bottom. I miss my kids being little babies. Little babies when you wash them when they're less than a year old. All the little chunky Michelin man folds in their arms and in their thighs. If you're from Hawaii, they look like Momotaro pushing out the peach, the cutest little kids. I loved it when my daughters were chubby little babies, chubby little cherubs. I miss those days. Glad they're gone, but I miss those days. You have to wash under the neck because they had the perspiration under the neck. You have to get under that fold. I'm not going to tell you which daughter that was. It was the cutest. The cutest. You have to wash them when they eat. The crumbs will get stuck under here. You have crumbs under. Cutest. I miss a baby's bottom. But I can tell you this. It was smooth. It was clean. It was like his skin. He had a laser peel. Heard of those. Never had one. A laser peel. He had collagen. He's been taking the new latest drink, everybody. And he looks smooth. And I bet you when he went home, woo, his wife said, babe, take off that uniform. Let me see your skin. Think about this for a moment. Proverbs 19.11 said, a person's wisdom yields patience, and it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Ooh, so good, so nice, gotta read it twice. Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience, and it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Wisdom brings patience, and it is glory to overlook an offense. Now, do we have to tell everybody who's offended us? You've offended me. I need an apology so that I can move on. We don't need it. If they offer it, great. If you bring it to their attention, fine. But if you're gonna overlook an offense, do me a favor and don't store it up to one day drop the bomb on us that you were offended because we don't want you to be offended. The greatest antidote to offense, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, right here on the screen. Go to the brother by yourself or the sister by yourself. If that doesn't get solved, take another close brother, a close sister, sisters bring a sister, brother bring a brother, 
and go to the brother or go to the sister and tell them and bring it to them. Finesse, prayer-filled, trusting God, obedient in love. You might be saving them from some catastrophic decisions that they're making in their life right now. You know, I tried that. You know, I've done that. I've been successful most of the time. And there are times I have not been successful. And when people just don't want to hear it, they're going to do what they want to do. You can't tell me entitlement. I'm offended that you even brought this up. Can't win them all. But as long as you go through the process, Matthew 18, 15, and then you bring it to a larger group, group of elders, or your connect group, if you have to, if you've done step one, don't skip steps. Don't blow it up in a connect group or in a small group. And by the way, your small group or connect group, no matter what church you belong to, Inspire, Ohana family, we don't air that stuff. We don't gossip in our groups. And if you're a gossiper in your group, you need to stop. And if you know somebody in your group that's gossiping, you need to lovingly confront and stop them as well. Because that's only cancerous and it's leprosy that spreads like a virus. So with that, I hope you feel encouraged today. <laughs> Entitlement, get it out. Offense, no room for it. Matthew 18, 15, this thing. And overlook an offense whenever you can. And if you're the offender or if you've been offended, do not store it up and drop the bomb all of a sudden and overreact to something small. And all of a sudden, we didn't realize how big it really was. So with that, would you bow your heads and pray with me? Don't swipe me off yet. We're not done. Lord, cleanse our hearts. Teach us, Lord, during these times to be highly offendable and to be entitled is one of the worst things that really are characteristics of the, the last days, when the love of many will turn cold. Lord, let that love for us, or let our love never turn cold. Father, may we always continue to trust you in every season of our, of our lives, to know you now more than ever before, and give us grace on the journey as we mend relationships and we become people who are unoffendable. We love you, Lord, we bless you. Thank you for all that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you found this to be a very timely message. Please go ahead and share it. We've got a lot of other service times that people can watch as well. So make sure you share this because it might be someone you love that's getting stuck in entitlement and, and offense. You know, I thank God that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay for the sins of entitlement and the sins of offense and so many more sins that he's cleansed us and he's forgiven us. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, now is the time more than ever before to surrender your life to Jesus. And if that's what you want, you want the forgiveness of all of your sins, all of our shortcomings, everything that we've missed the mark on, our thoughts, our deeds, our schemes, our plans, if you want his forgiveness, then he died on the cross for that over 2,000 years ago to wash my sins and yours as white as snow or as if we had never sinned before. Number one, he offers forgiveness. The second thing that he offers is the gift of eternal life, that when you die, you'll be in the presence of the Lord for all eternity. We're gonna unpack that more in our next series after Why You Trippin' about the tipping point. But I wanna just share with you, God's got a plan for your life and he's got an incredible destiny for you. He's got plans, he has a purpose, he has hope, he has forgiveness, he has, he has so much for you. But you've gotta surrender your life to him and make him the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if that's you, then I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me, please? Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me from the inside out. 
Thank you for loving me before I first loved you. Thank you for accepting me just as I am into your family. And thank you for the new life you gave me and that I have right now. I follow you with all of my heart. Teach me your ways and to know you more day by day. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody. I look forward to seeing you on Deep Dive Wednesday. We're going to take one of these points and go a little bit deeper. May the Lord bless you, keep you, cause His face to shine upon you, turn His countenance toward you, be gracious to you, and grant you peace. Until then, we love you. Aloha. Thank you, Pastor Mike Guy. Wow, what a powerful message. Powerful church, right? Amen, amen. Hey, if you are one of those people who surrendered their lives to Jesus, can I tell you, I am so proud of you. We are celebrating with you right now. So would you type in the comment section, if you are that person, type in the comment section and say, I prayed that prayer. Or you can say, I gave my life to Jesus. Or I surrendered my life to Christ. You can also use emojis such as hand raising emojis. Type it in the comment section so we would know how can we guide you in this amazing journey. Proud of you. I'm proud of you. If you are also new in Inspired Church Metro, I would love to get connected with you. So please visit our website, inspiremetro.live. Again, our website is inspiremetro.live and make sure to fill out that next step because we have an amazing gift that will be delivered right in front of your house if you are living here in Metro Manila. That's right. We have a gift for you if you are here in Metro Manila and it will be delivered right in front of your house. It's called Swag Bag. It, you know, it's just a swag bag. It's a simple yet special gift for you. That's how we welcome our family here in Inspire Church Metro. Awesome. And lastly, I just want to say thank you for all those people who are continually investing and giving into our church, into the kingdom of God. So I'm proud of you guys. So thankful for your generosity. So that's it for today, church. We love you guys so much. See you next week. Thanks for joining us and for listening to Inspire Church Metro Podcast. Stay in the loop by checking inspiremetro.live.